You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Hi, Rob Hollis. Hi, Michael Rosenbaum. Good to see you, my friend. Always a treat. Big guest. When I say big, I actually mean big. Literally and figuratively. Yes. I mean, physically, this guy is a presence. Yeah, uh, you guys took your shirts off and tried to flex. Well, I took my shirt off. Oh, yeah. He had his on, but... I actually took my shirt off. Which his I think it will... arm was the size of your body. Dude, his torso is bigger than my entire body. This guy is Dave Bautista. He was a professional wrestler. You you know him in his wrestling days. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about everything. How we met, which I, I'm surprised. That he remembered? Well, yeah. He did an episode of Smallville, and uh, he did Guardians with me, and just a amazing guy. Some of these stories that he tells... Like he hasn't told one of these stories, which you'll hear, which was just like, holy shit. He like got in a fight, in a fist fight at Fuddruckers. Cheese and rice, man. That was some uh, intense stuff. He has got a heart of gold. He looks out for his friends. He could kick your ass, my ass for sure. I, I think you're going to love this interview. This is Dave Bautista. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You know, we play a little music here. Uh, we, we have a band we call Shit Sandwich. And <laughs> it became The Sandwich because uh, I don't think people wanted to book us. Uh, and then they heard us and they said, yeah, we, you should have just kept the title. Yeah. <laughs> it was fitting. But we, we play like, you know, I'm a big 70s fan. I grew up in southern Indiana, so we, we like a little southern rock mixed in with 80s, a little taste yeah. of the wallflowers in the 90s, Eagles-esque. Sure. Where are you from in, in Southern? I grew I was born in New York. I grew up in Southern Indiana. Which part? Evansville. Evansville, Did yeah. you ever wrestle in Evansville? Hell yeah. <laughs> Robert Stadium? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that was the big place. Or the, right now they have the Honda. I don't remember. We I was there more at smaller like high schools and stuff. Because I, I, uh, I did Ohio Valley Wrestling in Louisville, Kentucky. Was that pretty intense? Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It, but they... You know, they, they paid me to be there. It was like I had a job to work out. How old were you? 30. That's a pretty good job. Wrestling, making pretty money. Good job, yeah. I, I was bouncing before that. That was like right when I got into wrestling. They paid me to go to uh, to train there. So I was there for two years. Did you like Indiana? Yeah, I did. You did? Yeah. Why'd you hate it? No, I loved Indiana. <laughs> I, I loved it. I was kind yeah. of a nerd, though, growing yeah. up. I wasn't uh, I wasn't pop. Were you popular? No, no. I think I, I, I could have been. <laughs> what is that i think we all could have been well i think uh, i was just such an introvert you know i was such an introvert and i was so socially awkward that i just never uh i never applied myself to being a popular <laughs> really no i was really athletic i was good at sports i just uh just quiet i just always felt out of place man i just never felt like i i fit in so i wasn't that type of kid are you still that guy up. yeah i'm still that guy do you still feel that yeah in a way yeah no no not in a way completely well, why is that? Because I feel the same way where people are like, oh, you're so confident. You go out, you can talk to anybody. But there's some weird thing where I feel like I have to sort of be the center of attention sometimes because then I'll, I'll be accepted. Right. Huh. I don't feel that way at all. So you just go in a room and do the opposite. <laughs> I don't like, like being you. the center of attention at all. You don't like being the center of attention? Not at all. Not well, at all. I will tell you this. You're one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Oh, and looking at you, I'm sure you heard this, but like you look yeah. at this. Jonathan, your friend yeah. over there who's known you since a kid, has, was he always nice? You can just nod. You're not mic'd. Yeah? For sure. Yeah. Always a nice guy. Nice. Jonathan yeah. wouldn't hang out with an asshole this long. No. <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're tatted up. You're a big dude. You could probably... I've, I've read shit about you. 
You you could easily hurt someone if you needed to. You have when you needed to. I read that too. But you know, how do we meet? Well, we met in a true religion store. That's yeah. that's the first time we met because I came up and said, "Hey, yeah, that's <laughs> you're right. My, you're Michael Rosen. You played Lex Luthor when on Smallville." <laughs> It was forever ago. It was before I got into acting. It was like, I, I think I might have still been wrestling, but I saw you and I was excited to see you. And I, I was like awkwardly introduced myself and said I was, uh, you know, a fan. And, and I was cool I said, as shit. I also did an episode of Smallville, and, uh, and, uh, but we didn't have any scenes together. Right. It was a very small part for me. It was actually one of my first uh, acting gigs. I wasn't. Yeah, I didn't. I just wanted to be there because it was Superman related. <laughs> you love Superman? Yeah, and I wasn't, because at that time I wasn't at all interested in acting. I just wanted to wrestle. And they said, well, you, what'd you do this part? And I said, hell yeah. And I basically went and just played myself. I was, I played a professional wrestler who was disguised as an alien. That's pretty much what what the character was. And you loved it. I, did, I loved being on the show. I didn't love, uh, I wasn't in love with acting at that point. I just, uh, I just wasn't interested, to be honest. Well, go know. back for a second, because it was years later. I, I Recently, it was a couple months ago, we were at a convention mm-hmm. and... Uh, some woman came up to me and goes, hey, who's working at the convention, goes, hey, Dave Bautista would like to say hello to you. And I go, nah, he's probably, I know we've met, but I was like, right. you know, I don't really, it's got to be Michael Rooker that he worked with. It's got to be Rooker. He's not, it's a mistake. Rooker's God, here. I hope they're not. You know. He doesn't want to see Jew Rosenbaum. I, I hope they're not mistaking me for Rooker. Because there's nothing more embarrassing than going up to you and then going, uh, so there's been a problem, mistake here. You're not Rooker. And I, so I said it a few times. She goes, no, he made it clear. He wants to. And I went back and you were at this little booth privately signing. You just had gotten there and you go, yeah. hey, man, I just, I just wanted to say hello. I heard yeah. you were here. Yeah. And I just felt like, Immediately, like God, fucking, I love this guy. What? A, what? A, who does that's a, that? That's so weird to me that you wouldn't think that I was like I wanted to say hello to you. I knew you were there, and we were getting ready to leave, and I was like, I didn't want to leave without saying hello. But to I you. think that's such a beautiful thing. Thanks, man. I appreciate. I mean, I, it, I I immediately came home and I told my friends, like, dude. He, I mean, he didn't have to do. There's a lot of actors who I've met who I've seen when I said, hey, could you get Michael Rosenbaum over here? I'd love to say hello to him. <laughs> they, they don't. They just don't do that in Hollywood. No. Well, that, I don't live in Hollywood. You live where do you live? <laughs> I live in Tampa, Florida. Well, there you yeah, go. I'm far, I'm far removed from. I never felt comfortable out here. I always felt like, uh, I don't know. I always felt like I was uh, working out here, you know. And I, I don't like to feel like that. I like to be a normal person. I like to live a normal life. And what, what, what do you notice about when you're here? What's the feeling? Do you have a certain feeling of like, uh, this is bullshit. I'm going from meeting to meeting. I'm not myself. How do, how do you? How yeah, do you- no, I'm always myself. I always, I, I don't, I don't. Um, put on an air for anybody i always try to be myself i uh but i always feel like i'm um i feel like i'm I'm being judged i also also feel like i when i talk to people it's not and you know it's not your you know how you doing it's it's so what are you doing (laughs) what are you into now what's next that's always what it is man i don't want to i don't like that i just want to be like that's the thing whether it's an agent or it's someone what are you up to now what are you working on and it feels so disingenuous it feels like And almost you feel compelled for a long time. I felt compelled to just be like, oh, well, I got this movie coming out and I got this because you, if you don't, then you're nobody. But that's not how it really is. You, you have to be comfortable with yourself. So I, I, I understand what you're talking about. But I sort of react where now people say, hey, what are you up to? I say, hey, you know, I'm just enjoying life. Yeah. Even if I got stuff going on, I just say, hey, I'm just enjoying life. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find my purpose. I'm trying to be happy. I'm trying to, trying to live. Yeah. I, I don't um... – 
find it easy to talk about myself either. I'm not a self-promoting person. Like I've even, <laughs> I've tried to intentionally make more of an effort to be self-promoting on my social media because <laughs> I'm just not good at it. I'm not even, I'm not good at selfie taking. But that's you know. who you are. But I want, you know, I want to, I want to grow. I want to, I want to take a step up. I want to move up in this industry too. So I also, I try to make an effort, but it is against my instincts. You know what's funny is as you talk since this podcast, I don't know if you noticed, but my energy has sort of gotten, I'm not going to say lower, but in a good way, I've gotten more comfortable. You put me at ease a little bit Thanks, with man. your disposition, <laughs> my friend. Thank you. You're man. just like, you're real. And sometimes I, you know, I feel like, oh, I got I to gotta talk to somebody. I got you know, to have an energy. And I'm a, a monotone person. I don't think I am. No, no, no. <laughs> Dave, would you say I'm not that guy, Jonathan? Yeah, no, you're definitely you're an energetic person. I think but I it, am. It's 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 good. It feels good. It's a good. It feels energy. good. You it's like a, it? It's a positive energy. So our balance, we're balancing yeah, each other. Yeah. You with your monotone, me with my high energy. Yeah. Even like likewise, the first time we met, you didn't know me from any anybody, and and you just were very like nice and pleasant. And, and you remembered that. I remember that was first impressions to me are everything. Everything. Yeah, and then it's just you know it's one of those things, man. When you at that point, I was just a fan coming up to say hello. And people, I, I really think you can judge a person by the way they treat their fans. I think you judge a person by the way they treat everyone. Yeah, true. And, you know, it's for me, it's like my parents may not have been the best parents, yeah. but I always had respect when I met anybody. My dad go, oh, my God, you'd, you'd flirt with the dude who at the cashier at Burger King. I was like, hey, man, how's your day? Yeah. Just that's kind of who I am. That's it's, it's a very true statement, but at the, at the same time, you have to look at people who have been in that spotlight, and they start to change, they start to get jaded, and they start to treat the fans uh, you know, differently. You know, They kind of shut them out a little bit, and I, I don't like that. Do you see that? I see it all the time. And how does it make it? People that you work with, people that you work closely with, people that you probably don't even want to mention on this yeah, podcast, yeah. you've seen it and just shake your head and go, fuck. Yeah, and I have to say that on very few occasions, so I've been I'm very lucky. I've had a lot of very great experiences with uh, with great people in this industry, and I've had only a few really dealt with a really a few bad eggs have you ever by the way dave batista thanks for allowing me to be inside of you today <laughs> i almost forgot to say that that's how we do it. that's how we roll rob you think I, you were waiting for it weren't you it was yeah. it's we kind of even, a thing we weren't we're not even recording yet oh we now we're recording so dave none of that was recorded you talk about just how you respect people and how and i read somewhere where you you really respected your parents because they worked really hard and my mother your mother you respected. Yeah. Um, my father has not been a part of my life. And I don't want to get on, you know, a negative. Uh, he's never been a part of my life. He's never been supportive of me. But my mother, on the other hand, has always been... You Wonder know, Woman. She has been, man. She's uh, she's the reason I am who I am. My mother is uh, a person of very high standards, high dignity. She's a very uh, gracious person. She's a very giving person. She's a very uh, liberal, free-thinking person. It always it's it's we're, it's a conversation for me. It's a, and some people find it odd, but they you know they look at me and see that I'm you know a big athletic person. But I was I was raised by a single lesbian. You know, it took a single lesbian to to make a man. <laughs> wow. You know she uh, she but she's a very strong woman, and I I just love her and respect her. And I mean, how important is it? And you could go on about that. It's like, you know, people in their lives, if you don't have a role model, mm -hmm. if you don't have somebody to look up to, yeah. you know, you're a product of your own environment. I believe right. that. I believe like, sure. uh, you know, nurture over nature in a lot of ways. I mean, you're, you're dealt with certain things biologically, but I also think that with good parenting, with good role models, with good people around you, they kind of make you who you are. 
Definitely. You know, Definitely. I believe that as well as people can become products of their environment, good or bad. Because you had a tough childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and again, my mom was always that, she was that beacon. She was that, uh, she was the angel on my shoulder, you know, telling me, and sometimes, you know, uh, beating me. <laughs> really? <laughs> Into heading the right direction. Yeah. She was, she was not afraid to get physical. Like, and she knew sometimes she had to. You Were know? you a big guy then? I was a big, big kid. I was bigger than my mom when I was probably 12 years old. Like I said, my mom, you know, single mom, she was working most of the time. And we, you know, we grew up in the ghetto. She were running the streets. In D.C.? In D.C., back and forth between D.C. and San Francisco. But how does she do that? How does she work and then able to get your shit together? Exactly. How, I mean, what were you doing at that yeah, age? exactly. What trouble were you getting into? I was... Um, stealing and fighting and going out in the middle of the night just sneaking out uh running in san francisco running with gangs we were around uh, a lot of violence um yeah even to when i was a teenager i was still getting a lot of trouble a lot of a lot of fights i fought a lot when i was young well how'd that get started because you were big and people would start fights with you no i you know i don't know i think a lot of times you just you're when you're in the wrong environment, a bad environment, you're around, you know, other people that are also in bad environment. There's nothing positive going on, man. There's nothing people, to do. There's no outlet. looking for something to do, something to get into. And dad wasn't there. My dad wasn't there ever. And uh, we just, you know, you know, young and in the wrong environment. And I mean, don't you think you know, that, that had a lot to do with it? Like he sort of, you felt, you felt abandoned and you had a lot of uh, anger towards that? You know, maybe it's just weird. Here's the thing: I I don't know if I did, and the reason why is because I don't really know what it ever felt like to have a dad. So it's not like he was there and then he wasn't. Right. You know, so I didn't yeah. miss it. You know, I just I I didn't have, uh, but I definitely didn't have that guidance. And I know I don't know exactly what that guidance would have, have been. I don't know how the situation would have been different. You know, if it would have been different with my parents together, but. It just wasn't possible for them to be together. You know, my mom's a lesbian. Um, she was in love with a woman, and that's just the way that went. She didn't like my dad. He wasn't a good father. Uh, so they just went their separate ways. And that was actually how my mom lived, ended up in San Francisco. She wanted, said she wanted to get as far away from my father as she could. She's, well, she did it, right? <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, that was it. He I mean, never, did he flip out when she told him he, she was a lesbian? No, 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 no. It was just a very, uh, no, they were, you know... It was one of those things. It, it, yeah, they had. I don't think they got. They weren't together my whole life. I, I remember them trying to make it work like one time, which lasted like a couple months. And other than that, they didn't really get a divorce until like well into the eighties. <laughs> really? <laughs> because they never they never had that type of falling out. You right, know, right, it wasn't. Right. Um, and they really only got a divorce because my dad wanted to get remarried. <laughs> So otherwise, so they'd got, still be married. Yeah, they'd still be married. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and they actually still have, you know, they have a very uh, functional relationship. They still get along with each other. But you won't talk to them? No, just because uh, for, you know, for a lot of different reasons. You know, and I think the reason I really, uh, really stopped talking to him, just kind of cut him out of my life is because he wasn't a good father to me, which bothered me a little bit. But what really bothered me the most was that he didn't even try to be a good grandfather to my children. And when he wasn't there for them, I just, you have like, two grandkids. No, I have I have more actually. You have more now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a whole different story too. <laughs> but yeah, you, got my, you have enough. My one, my one daughter. Yeah, she's a, a trouble child. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not a child anymore. She's a grown woman. But yeah, but she started young and she's uh, been having kids. It's a, in a strange relationship. So, right, you have a twenty-six yeah. year old, twenty-eight year old. Yeah, twenty-seven. 
That's good. That's another story. But actually, no. She, I'm, I apologize. She's 28 now. 28. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've read so much shit. Like, I mean, here you are as a teenager getting in fights, stealing, no guidance. Your mother trying to give you whatever she can. She's working her ass off. People died in your front lawn. Is this true? It is, well, it wasn't technically our front lawn. So <laughs> there, was a, there was an alley right next to our house, and the, this guy got killed like right ne- right in the alley. So he was kind of sitting there on the gate. You saw him. Everybody did. It was like the whole neighborhood was there seeing this guy. I mean, that's got to be this. What does that feel like? I mean, I guess for a tough kid, for me, I would have shit my pants because I didn't see that shit when I was growing up. You know, it's it's weird. My mother and I have completely different uh, recollections of it. And I don't remember. My mom, I, my mom says that she was freaked out, but she was more freaked out that we weren't bothered by it. We were, it was kind of the late, really late at night. And we, because everybody was outside, had come outside and was gathered around this uh we took advantage and went out and played with our friends at night because we thought it was cool to be out at night playing with our friends. And we weren't at all bothered by this dead guy next to our house. And that that was soon after that, my mom packed us up and, and we took off. We headed to San Francisco. My neighborhood would have shut the fuck down, Dave. Yeah. No, it just, I mean. It just, for, it just you've seen, you saw stuff like that. You saw so much, so many different things that this didn't shock you that much. No, it didn't. I, you know, it was a, a lot of violence at the time. There was a lot of DC was a very violent city, uh, as far as I can remember, up, to, up until the even into the '90s, it was very violent. And it was not uncommon to wake up and, you know, somebody's been shot, somebody's been killed over their shoes. Did you feel you had a death wish? Not at all. You didn't feel all. like see. I think growing up, like I, I got some, I was depressed at times, and I would get really dark, and I was like, I, I just always felt like I was never going to live that long. I don't think I had a death wish. I think I thought, like most kids, they think that they're never going to die. Really? You felt the opposite of me. You felt like, I'm going to live forever. I could do yeah, whatever. I'm gonna nothing th- bad's going to happen to me. That happens to everybody else. <laughs> that happened to me. I don't know. I guess you, you become numb to things, man. You see them so often, and they're just not, you know, they become commonplace, and you just don't get freaked out by them. So fighting doesn't even bother you anymore. Someone, like when someone bothers you, when, when you get pissed off. Yeah. I don't like to fight. Yeah, I feel horrible after. I, I will fight. I mean, I will fight to prove a point, but I feel horrible after. <laughs> but what will start? We'll, we'll get that feeling inside you that like I got to kick this guy's ass. What what would push your buttons? Well, it would have. It would. It would take somebody being real disrespectful, and, and typically it would take somebody being disrespectful to someone I cared about. So if they called you a pussy. That wouldn't do it. It would depend on who the guy was. You know, if the guy was my size and felt like he was you know he's testing me and, and yeah we'd probably get in a fight if i was a smaller guy who i felt like buddy and I, i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna <laughs> i don't want to do this michael said he wants to try to fight you want... <laughs> hey dave you're a pussy i've no. been in like i i bounced for 13 years man so i've had all kinds of you know guys with you know beer Egos muscles come up and, and start fight, try to start you ever lose a fight me. no but i've had i've had some rough ones i got in a fight I got in a fight with uh, this kid who I didn't want. I didn't. It was like happened so fast. It escalated so fast. I didn't even know I was going to be in a fight. But he hit me with this wet floor sign. <laughs> what? <laughs> that knocked me so silly. We got in a fight in this uh, Fuddruckers hamburger place. <laughs> Fuck. Were you there, Jonathan? <laughs> no, it was with my girlfriend. And it happened so fast. What? What? How did? It, do you remember how it started? Yeah, this guy was. Uh, he was looking at my girlfriend, and I looked over at him. And- when was this? It was 19, it's 95, six-ish around there. Um, but anyway, this kid's looking at my girlfriend. I looked over him. Like, you know, why is he just being so disrespectful? And his friend 
um, says something to him, you know, that, that I'm looking at him. And he goes, uh, he goes, I don't give a shit. I'll punch him in his face three times before he hits me once because he was much smaller than me. And I was like, what'd you say? And he walks up to me. He's like all aggressive. He said, you heard what the fuck I said. So I just pushed him and he flies back and he goes, oh, hell no. Hell no. And he goes and he picks up this wet floor sign. And he comes in and goes, and I didn't think he's going to do it. And he whacks me on the head with it. And you stumbled? And not only did I stumble, but then he tackles me. And we go flying back into the salad bar. And we break the salad bar. I swear to God, we break the salad what bar. What the fuck? We, I'm trying. And anyway, I start. we start fighting. Then I start beating this kid's ass. And we end up outside. And I've got this kid. And I'm like choking him. And then he finally goes, all right, all right, all right. So I let him go. And then I'm just a disaster. And my girlfriend's salad all over my girlfriend's crying. Like, what the hell's going on? What the hell's happening? What the hell? And I'm like, the restaurant's a disaster. I was like, I don't know. Let's just go. And so anyway, we left. And then later, the police came and arrested me. Yeah, they and you didn't start it. No. Well, apparently, because I pushed him, I started it. Yeah, did not you, only, did not he, only he that, sue you? No, it, they ended up dropping all the charges, but they did arrest me for it. And then, and, but they. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. And also because, because we left, they said we left the scene of a crime. Have you ever told that story? Not a, no, no, I haven't. Yeah. I like that story. It's a pretty incredible story because you don't expect some guy a lot smaller than you. Yeah. Is gonna just start a fight with you and hit you with a <laughs> what is it? A, think, oh, that's what. Yeah, it was like one of those yellow wet yeah, floor signs. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are they, and that it doesn't was, even look like it would hurt that. It was bad. so funny. He hit me like right in the corner. I actually had this big mark on my head. Jesus. <laughs> and it was, but you know, some guys they just they got heart, and I didn't. Uh, I just it escalated so fast. I didn't heart. Yeah. Maybe he was a little insane. It was no. I think it was a little ghetto, is what he was. Yeah, yeah. just you know, some kids from. He's the not going to step down. They don't. He's not going to step down. You know, but you know, I'm kind of the same way. You know, I, I'd I'd rather not. I'd rather not fight. I'm a peaceful guy. Yeah, uh, but I will. You know, I will. I'll, I'll go there. Um, but I just rather not. It's yeah. a pretty amazing story, Rob. What do you think, Rob? Have you ever been in a fight? Not a real one, though. <laughs> what's well? What's a fake one? I mean, when I was like a kid. Like, like a little what? scuffle. I don't know, like the playground kind of fight. Oh, the playground like, yeah. kind of like fight. 10. I've been hit a few times. I've gotten fights. I haven't won a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of hockey. But, you know, yeah. I was I had a big mouth. That was my sort of mechanism where somebody would pick on me and I would go, and I'd say something real smart and they couldn't top it. And everybody would laugh, so they'd punch me in the face. Like, You're funnier than me. Fuck off. And then they'd punch me in the face. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy... 
Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. It's a product that I didn't, I, they weren't even my sponsor when I was using this. And I was like, wow, why do I have more focus or energy? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel different? It's because I take Qualia Synaletic, Neurohacker. Look, if someone would have told me, Ryan, that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months, I wouldn't have believed it. But uh, I tried quiacinolytic, and the rest is history. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. Also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senoletic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And... You just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And Neurohacker Quiacinolytic has a 100-day money-back guarantee. Oh, I have, I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I will tell you that. I'm more productive. And uh, I feel like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about my life. I definitely feel that. And uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this. So that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Really, you're doing all this stuff in DC. You're you're just you're not affected by a dead body in the neighbor's lawn. You're getting a fight, you're you're bouncing. What was it the the day you remember life's going to change now? What was that? Do you remember that day or days? Um, I re- I remember the day I made uh, a conscious decision to change my life, and it was uh, it was a Christmas, and this is it's, it's still even hard for me to talk about. I was, but I I had two kids at the time, and I was like broke, man. I didn't didn't know how I was gonna buy my kids Christmas presents, and so I went to the the owner of uh, one of the clubs I worked at, and I asked him to borrow money so I could buy my kids Christmas presents, and I. I remember like feeling so ashamed of it and so and just worthless. I got to make a change, and that's when I decided to p- pursue wrestling. Were you a drinker? No, never. No. Drugs? Never. So you didn't get into any of that stuff. That no, probably work, saved you. Working a lot of out, ways. working out was my high. Working out was your high, and you did it every day. 
Every day if I could. Yeah, if I could work out every day, I would work out every and day. And why? Why did you start working I just out? Felt, you know, I felt normal when I was in the gym. I felt good. It made me, you know, I wasn't one of those guys, one, one, one of those Charles Atlas guys that people kick sand in my face and, and all of a sudden I wanted to lift weights and be big and tough. I just, right. uh, I was always athletic. I was always uh, a muscular kid, but I didn't start working out till I was, uh, I think, uh, in high school. And that's why I just, I don't know, man, something, I guess it was just the just, feeling you got a high out of it. It was therapy for me. You know, it just made me feel good. It was like, I guess, you know, I could equate it to somebody who would sit down and talk to a therapist and work out all their problems. And that's what I did. Cause I wasn't the type of guy who would just spill my guts. I wasn't the, the type of guy who would just dump my shit on the table and, and ask somebody to, to help me with it. I Are you still that guy? Still that guy. Yeah. I you tried. go to a therapist? No, and but I'm you know I'm not against it. You know I believe in it. I have gone and talked to therapists. Um, and, and I've tried to be better at communicating. My wife has a lot to do with that. Um, like say what's on your mind. Like now, don't hold yeah, it in. That, yeah, that because kind of shit. I am. I'm that guy, man. I like to. I just bottle it all up. Something pisses you off, and you don't say anything for weeks, and then it bottles up with all yeah, these other things. Yeah, and all of a sudden, like, why are you so upset? <laughs> and then I have an outburst. <laughs> Isn't that? I think a lot of people do that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm that guy. My wife always tries. And I always thought we 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 have to find that happy medium because I'm I am that guy. I'll bottle it up, and weeks later I'll come out and just in resentment, you know. Why are we out of yeah. potatoes? But my wife is, you know, she wants to talk about stuff like now. She don't want to go to bed if we're having an issue. And sometimes I, I say, just can we just let it lie for just a little bit? You know, we'll talk about it, but not right now. And the reason I always say not right now is because if I start talking about it, I'm just very blunt about things. I'm very blunt. You don't say so it, it comes delicately. across as mean. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, and I just want it, I want time to think about everything and process everything so I can actually explain how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling this way instead of right there just throwing it out. So we try to find that happy medium, but she's, uh, you know, she's working with me and I'm working with her. I always say the wrong shit. Yeah. <laughs> Rob? Rob definitely says the wrong shit. Right. Jonathan? Not too much. Not too no, much, he says. All the time, Jesus, you've known that guy. He, he says the wrong shit. He has no filter, man. <laughs> I, I don't have much of a filter either. I say things, and then later, like, all of a sudden, like, a week later, some, well, you know, you said this. I'm like, oh, no, that's not, I was just kidding, or I wasn't. <laughs> but you can't, that's that's why maybe talking about it right at that right. moment. No, 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 I'm sorry for making you feel that way. Right. But, like, when you wait things, when they fester too long, when it's, it's a week, two weeks, and then you bring it up, there's no recollection. There's no true, right. you don't see things vividly like it was just happened. You start to think, oh, nah, you took it wrong. It's it's hard. You got it. How long do you let it go, I, man? I think I, you know, I always, I'm one of those people, like, I'll say stuff, and then I'll think, you know, man, I hope that came across the way I meant it to be. And then I'll obsess over it, like, for days. God, I hope I didn't offend them. I didn't. <laughs> I was just joking. I hope they got the joke. Well, you know, you picked a good profession to get into for something like that. The, <laughs> you know, wrestling, it's like you say the wrong right. shit, and you want to say the wrong oh, shit. You know, with that was one of the things where I really struggled with uh, with wrestling to begin with was to speak at all. Like, it was a, a natural. I mean, it was a phobia of mine. To public speaking, I was terrified of it. So you just thought being as intimidating as you can without having to say much. Yeah, because I was always a, a physical person, and I knew I could rely on my physicality, and I thought I really wanted that to, uh, to carry me through. But it was, you know, there came a point where, again, I, if I wanted to move up, I wanted to progress in my career, yeah. I had to be a well-rounded uh, professional wrestler. 
So you, which means you have to start speaking. You have to start oh, acting. It right? Just, it was my nightmare, man. There's always a catch. You can't just be yourself. You no. got to become something else. Yeah, right? and I, but my pacifiers were, and people always ask me why I always wore sunglasses and hats and stuff when I was, you know, in the ring doing promos. And that was my pacifier. I was hiding behind it. Hiding things. behind yeah. it. Yeah. That's amazing. And how you became an actor, which we'll get into. But yeah. so you're wrestling. Who were your wrestling icons? Like Ric Flair? Did you like Hogan? Were you like who are you? Who are you really into? <laughs> it's funny. My you know my idol <laughs> when I was growing up, the guy who I looked up to the most was um not you know a common favorite, but his name was he was the Warlord. The Warlord. I sort of remember the Warlord. And the reason I loved the Warlord is because he was the most massive human being I had ever seen at that time. <laughs> he was just enormous. Like I couldn't wait for him to come out because I just couldn't believe how big he was. And that right. was, you know, that's what I, I, I was just in awe of those, those big guys. So you had to like Andre the Giant. Yeah, but I, it was the big muscular. Like guys. Andre was in fact kind of a heavy guy. Yeah, he was just, he was a giant. But like he was a giant. Literally, but he was a guy, giant. But this guy, the warlord was just all muscle. Just muscle, just massive. Did you aspire to be him? Did you want to be as big as that guy? When, uh, when I first started lifting weights, I don't think I ever wanted to be that big, but I definitely, I was always so long. You even see, I'm just gangly. I'm long limbed. I just wanted to be not so awkward, you know. I wanted to be more muscular and just filled out a little bit, right? Uh, but never, you know, Mister Olympia. Or so, what got you into wrestling? Uh, desperation. <laughs> I was. Uh, that was. Uh, that's what it was, man. I was. Uh, that's why I told you I was. I was broken. But how do you know to like? Ah, oh, I'm gonna go there. Well, I. You know, I, there was. Uh, you know, uh, it, was, it wasn't that much that I was qualified to do at the time. And wrestling was really hot at that time, but they were also, there was a company called WCW that was um, offering open tryouts. So I figured, you know, I'm an athletic person. I could figure this out. I think I looked the part, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. this might be an opportunity. Let me go try this. And I went for the tryout. I paid to go in and try out. And they told me to, you know, they ran me into the ground, said, leave. You'll never be a professional wrestler. <laughs> did you? Did they beat the shit out of you for those whatever? Beat the shit out of me, yeah. It's, it's a painful sport. You know, because people talk about, oh, well, things aren't real. They're they're real when you get slammed on these mats, when you get thrown around, and you yeah. And that's I mean, that's why I don't like. You know, I see why you know people would use the word fake, and I don't like you to use the word fake because to me that always translates into safe, and it, and and it's not safe. It's painful and Absolutely. It, it hurts. It's dangerous. So that's why I don't. Like it. But it is you know obviously it's entertainment and it's predetermined. Uh, but it's just—it's painful as shit. It's very painful. I <laughs> like throughout my career, I had uh, I think like thirteen surgeries. Uh, On what? Oh uh, god, my biceps, triceps, back, hamstring, nose. Are you fused? Um, not fused. I had uh, the laser surgery. They shaved it down. I broke my back in a in a match. I had issues before that, but it just put me over the top where my it gave me scoliosis and my discs were just all kind of messed up. Do you live I, in pain? Had some fragments. Not at all. You don't have any. I've had five back surgeries. I got a oh, hernia to just get my really? neck. I'm oh, a wow. mess. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm always like you know my my back's good now, but my neck's been really yeah fucked up. Yeah, so that uh, sucks. Man. And how's your testosterone? That's it's good. Yeah, good. It's Mine's good. a little low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I need to do something about that. Yeah, <laughs> are deadlifts good for uh, testosterone? Squats. I've heard that you know the better shape you're in, the more naturally it you know raises your your testosterone. But I, right. I don't know what the science is behind that. To be honest, I can't believe you're not in any pain for all the fucking surgeries you've got. No, you know I'm going in for another surgery <laughs> on the second. <laughs> I'm going to get my knee scoped. I tore my meniscus about I think three four months ago boxing. 
And it finally it got so bad. I was I was doing this film, and it got so bad. I was like, man, I got to go get this checked out. And I went, got an MRI. This, yeah, yeah, it's torn. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Yeah, you got to fix that. Stallone, who was in Guardians with us, yeah. he, uh, we started talking because he's had so many back surgeries. Like, yeah, you have back surgery. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I've had like five. I've had five back surgery. What do you? I got my L4, uh, L5, S1. Yeah, that's what I had. I got fused over there. Who's your doctor? And I said this this guy's name. He goes, that's my fucking doctor. Are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah, that guy's an asshole. He's like, he doesn't even call me back. Oh, you, know? you, do, you do a great Stallone. Stallone dude. I can't St- believe how good your Stallone, Stallone is. Stallone was so much fun to work with, and he was so cool because like, we got. He, I had these dots on my face for CGI. I've told uh-huh. the story, but he comes up and goes, who are you supposed to be? Pippi Longstocking? What the fuck is this? <laughs> No, he was a treat, man. He was a real treat to work with. I had him sign my Rambo lunchbox, oh which God. we just talked about. You, How I many got... lunchboxes do you have? And your first was Green Hornet? No, my first was E.T. E.T. Yeah. My uh, my first lunchbox when I was a kid, or the one I remember the most, was Fat Albert. Um, but then I have one of those. Two. I love Fat Albert. How <laughs> Fat many Albert. do you have? I think I have like um, a couple hundred. And where do you keep them? Can you walk into your house and see them all? I have, no, I have a one, not really a man cave, but I got one room. It's kind of geeky room. It's got all my superhero. And well, you stuff. saw my geeky rooms. Yeah, yours are way better than mine. I'm really? I'm so, so jealous. I don't know if that's true, man. <laughs> no, you've got like, man, your house is amazing. Well, Jonathan said you had you had lightsabers. You had, how many lightsabers? Do you yeah, have? I don't have them anymore. We, you know, I, I downsized. Um, and I have a smaller house now, so a lot of that stuff. I Downsized? Guess. You're doing yeah. more and more movies. It's not because well, of money. After, so I went, <laughs> but after wrestling, I was, uh, I, I went broke. You know, I left wrestling. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I left wrestling. I, it was three years that I, I barely worked and uh, got hit a little bit from the IRS and, and just went broke. So I had to start all over again. Yeah. What so is I, that like? I mean, we skipped the whole wrestling phenomenon, which yeah. became huge. Yeah. But, I mean, going from having money... Being known, all this. To, I mean, how do you, how does that even happen? Like people always wonder how how do they lose their money? Yeah, how do they do this? Well, it's, I mean, it's it's you know it's a whole different thing when you got a check coming in you know every week and then all of a sudden you don't have anything coming. <laughs> and you you've been divorced a couple and of I've, times. Yeah, and that and I'm still got all the same living expenses. I got people who are relying on me, and um, then the IRS comes and they want all your money. You know, so it just I mean that's the way it happened. And what, what's the mindset? It's like. How do you even wrap that around? Oh uh, yeah. How do you how do you do that? How do you what like what's the next step? You're like, I gotta get a job. I gotta yeah, get something. I mean, that was it. And I, I never really stopped. I was constantly after I left wrestling, I was on a mission. I knew what I wanted to do. And I pursued it. It just it took a long time. I just I had a hard time getting auditions. I couldn't get an agent. I couldn't get auditions. Well, how do you know, take me back a little bit, just in terms of the wrestling thing, because I think yeah. that's so you, you go there, they beat the shit out of you, and then they said you're never gonna be in re- a wrestler, right? Yeah, yeah. And you said most yeah. people would say, Okay, you're right. Yeah. No, I was a couple of days later and then that's when uh, you know, Jonathan he helped me out with through that and we started making phone calls to find different avenues into professional wrestling. Even and, after they said fuck off? Yeah, yeah. So that's what we did. We actually, I paid somebody to uh, to train me to be a professional wrestler. And about a year later, we called uh, the WWE and, and they offered me a tryout. And then they offered me a very low-paying contract. What's a low-paying contract for a, a wrestler was, just it, starting? My my contract was uh, $650 a week. And how many times did you wrestle? It was training. So I was going every day. I was going to training, sometimes twice a day. Uh, but that's what I did. I learned. I went and learned how to be a professional wrestler. You know, we packed up. We moved to Louisville, Kentucky, and that's where we lived for two years. 
And that's where it really started to happen. What no, did they oh, see? No, you? no, it was no? long after that. <laughs> long after that, you know, it was uh, down there. It was you know a couple injuries and a lot of you know aches and pains. And but anyway, two years later, I finally made it onto the road, and and it was like this really horrible, horrible gimmick that they stuck me in, and I was still kind of lost. And that was when what gimmick? I was uh, so there was this guy named Devon Dudley. He was doing this character named Reverend Devon. And he was, had this collection box where he was collecting money. So, so and they did one episode where somebody stole the collection box. So now he needed an enforcer, somebody to come in and protect the collection box. And that was Batista? <laughs> so that was Batista. It was Deacon Batista. I came in. I had this awful suit, and I had this big chain around my neck attached to this big steel <laughs> box, and I would come in. <laughs> would did, come you, in. did you talk? And uh, No, I didn't talk at the time. I would come in and just collect money, and that's, that was my part. That was what I did. <laughs> that was, so the, i mean that that probably started something right well it did it's you know those little was, things seem to help right the thing is i was on television i was getting television experience and it was then a wrestler named triple h yeah who took a liking to me uh saw some potential in me and came up with this uh this gimmick that would be uh like a click and it would be you know, four of us it would be me triple h rick flair and randy, evolution. randy orton evolution evolution and that's how evolution was born and i was the enforcer of the group and uh it was not until even a couple years after that or maybe a year or so after that one night we had they really wanted to build randy as kind of the future of of that company and one night we had teased uh teased a fight between myself and triple h who was kind of the head of that faction and the crowd just lost their mind they lost their mind they were so into it and that's where something sparked i think in, in vince's head and said hmm i think we got something here and that is actually how it all started and once you're in vince mcmahon's head yeah yeah in a place <laughs> a very dangerous place it's a dangerous be. <laughs> place but a very good rewarding yeah. place to be right? very very and i have no you know it's weird like some people have had falling outs with vince and I have nothing but great things to say about Vince. I mean, he treated me very well. And we disagreed about a lot, but he was always, he was never, he was never against me coming in to have an argument with him. I think Vince likes to argue. Did you yell? All the time. Like you'd go in there and go, Vince, I'm not fucking doing this. No, I, I, I never, I didn't say that. I, and I wouldn't say that, but right. I would always, if I had a point to make, I would make it and I would be very strongly opinionated. And I think he appreciated that about me. Um, and a lot of times, you know, he, he just, you know, it just was what it was. I spoke my mind that at the end of the day, he has, you know, he, he, he gets, he says yes or no. I'm getting paid more than $650 a week. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't afford anything. Jonathan wants cigarettes. Right. Right. You know, I actually went to events like my first, when I first started making money, it was the first time I bought my house in Florida. It was my first time buying a house. And for me, that was, I'd come a long way from, you know, from uh, a poor kid in, you know, in Washington, D.C. to buying my first home in Florida. And Vince's face lit up, and he said, and he just said, a homeowner. He gave me a hug, man. Isn't that so, extraordinary? That was great, man. To be that, able to buy a house. For me, that was where you uh, came like from. a dream come, on. come true. I just, I, you know, owning a home was like, a, you know, it's security, man. That's I mean, Every poor kid wants security. You know, yeah. it's not it's not a money thing. I think a lot of people get that confused. I think I think poor kids want security, man. A lot of people, you know, they take their money and they do wrong things with it. But I think at the end of the day, security is the word that you know every kid dreams of. Having a roof over your head, yeah, a roof over your head, a place to be, food in your mouth, you know. Yeah. So now you, you're done with wrestling. You say I'm done with wrestling. The IRS comes in. They, I mean, yeah. they they take everything. They took a lot. <laughs> they took a lot. They took a lot. So how do you rebound? And you you decided at this point you want to be an actor? 
No, I left. I left um, wrestling to pursue acting. I, it was intentional. I, I left. Uh, I left on good terms. I gave them plenty of notice. I didn't walk out. I let my contract run out, and I left with a mission to um, get into acting. Well, that's taking a chance, isn't it? It's, it was taking a huge chance, but it was. I left. Um, real. I'll try to make this super short. But so I left because I felt like I, w- I was on top of the company. I was on top of the company. John Cena was on top of the company. We were the two guys that were headlining every show. And at the time, they were doing a lot of movies with John Cena. They were doing a lot of commercials with John Cena, a lot of magazine covers, everything with John Cena. He was really the face of our company, which I got. He just he just fit the bill. Um, but I felt like if I wasn't going to have the opportunities within the company, like acting, doing films, that I should have the opportunity to go outside of the company and audition and try to get you know jobs sure. in acting. And, uh, and they said no. <laughs> we need you here and headline these shows. You're our intellectual property. We, you know, this is where we need you. What's pissed you off? Which pissed me off. So that's what I did. I said, well, then if you're not going to give me, I, I should have the same opportunities as everybody else. If you're not going to give them to me within the company, then I should be able to go outside the company. If I can't do that, then I'm just going to leave. And so I let my contract run out and I left. Did you inadvertently, do you think you like in retrospect sort of resented Cena? Because he was getting all um, this, like it's one of those kids that, like, that in high school, that's like getting the popularity, and you're like, "Fuck, why is she going out with that guy?" No, I didn't resent him because I am a big believer in opportunity, and I think if, God, if somebody is given an opportunity and you don't take it, then then you're a fool. Uh, so he I, had to take it. So of he course, had to take it. Of course, yeah. That's why we're all there for opportunities. That's why that's I felt maturity. Like- I think to think like that because that's how I feel. It's taken me time to think that. I'm sure when when I was younger, I was like. Why is that guy fucking? Why, why, why am I not getting a? But and then you realize, hey man, I'll make my own shit. I'll yeah, do my own. That's shit. what I mean. Good yeah. luck to you. Somebody Best gave him life. that part, I right? Mean, if he doesn't take the opportunity, then he's an he's idiot. He's an idiot. So anyway, so that was. I just wanted a fair opportunity. I wanted the same opportunity as everybody else. If I'm headlining shows and he's headlining shows, but he's gotten all these opportunities, I want the same opportunities. If you're not going to give them to me here, then I will leave. I'll leave. And they thought you were bluffing, didn't they? They really did. They really thought you were bluffing. <laughs> was there a time when they came? Vince said, "Hey." Come on, you're not going to really do this, are you? Yeah. And you said, yeah. Yeah, it was the day before I walked out. The day before he called you? Yeah, no, no, we talked in person. <laughs> was it yeah. not good? Well, here's here's the thing. He had, at that point when I was leaving, he had, uh, I told him, you know, we talked about the films, and he was going to give me a chance to do a film with them. And I was like, great. But they had taken my idea, which I pitched to them, and turned it into this really awful idea, so I wasn't excited about it. The day before I was leaving... He said, um, I don't feel comfortable giving you this film not knowing that you're going to be here to promote it. And I said, yeah, my word, I will come and promote it. He said, still, you know, I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't think so. I think we're going to give this film to Triple H. And I was like, okay, I understand. <laughs> and I think he was expecting an anger, you know, an angry reaction from me. And he goes, I just don't get you. <laughs> And it's at that point, it was just it was just too late. I had made up my mind. I, I was focused on other things. I knew where I wanted to go. And so it was just too late. And then his, so he hit me with, where else are you going to make this kind of money? <laughs> and then I was like. I, you believed in yourself. That's it. Yeah. Right? I, I just, and that was it. And I knew I was going to hurt. I, I, admit, I loved those checks coming every week. I mean, it was great. It was really, again, security. But, you know, at that, that point, I just, I had my mind made up. So that's what I did. I starved for three years and. It was actually after I got, I got Guardians that I felt like, well, now I, I've kind of proved my point. I did what I said I was going to do, and I want to go back and do some wrestling. That's incredible, and I'm sure there were moments where you were like, what did I do? 
I should. Uh, did you ever feel like calling Vince during those three years? No, or was it, not too once. prideful, right? And I just, I don't know, man. I just believe. And there was actually, there was a few friends that I never for, forgave who had that conversation with me. What the hell are you doing? You need to go back to WWE, man. You're blowing it. Because they didn't believe in me. Ugh, that, that dude right there is the only one who believed in me. Jonathan, sitting across in my uh, massage chair that's not even plugged in. I apologize for it not being plugged in. <laughs> it's giving you, you can plug it in, by the way, if you want a massage. It's over here. You sure? It'd make a noise, though. It sounds like a vibrator. I don't own those, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, it would change the whole interview. But so you've known him since you're 18? Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. been with you every step of the way? Yeah, every step, yeah. yeah. So he's the, see, that's that's Like the to most... the point of like loaning me like lots and lots of money to get me through, to carry me through. That's like we said, those three years where I was starving, that's how I, that's how I got through. He, he just helped. He just filled in the blanks for me. Dude. All you need is one friend like that. That's what I'm saying. You know, I got, I got a friend like that <laughs> yeah. who's been with me. He's one of those guys who just like, you know, he's always been there. And I saw that he was in trouble once. And yeah. I've known him 33 years. And, I mean, it took everything for him to accept money from me. Yeah. And I, he was like, no, I don't want your money. I, I go, listen, listen. just And finally he took it. Three months later, he paid me back. With interest. That's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. True friends, true love, true like, hey, I'm with you, man. I want to do whatever it takes. I've been there. I will be there. And that's, it's rare, man. It's fucking rare. So and even if people like, you know, if, even if he hadn't been in the position to help me out, get me through like financially. Mentally. He still always, just always believed in me. If I said I wanted to do this crazy thing, he was like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. You know, it's not, even my mom, when I left wrestling, she said, you're crazy. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, she's just, yeah. It's hard to say, oh, they, they don't have my back. They don't believe me because I'm sure they do. But really, when I told my parents I wanted to be an actor, they were like, are you out of your fucking mind? Because 99.9% .9 of people don't work. Why are you doing this? Right, right. They don't know. They didn't know that I was going to be successful. Right. And so as much as they want me to be successful and go, God, I hope his dreams come true. I hope this happens. But deep down they're saying, yeah. never going to happen. Yeah. People in my hometown were like, Rosenbaum never, Rosenbaum's never going to do anything with his life. He'll work at a fucking grocery store. So like, <laughs> and I did for three years. He'll work at Sunoco gas. That's Rosenbaum. He's not going to be a successful actor. And it's hard to get that mentality. You still think like that. Oh, they're sometimes you go, I think they're right, but look at you. What do you do? It's this weird thing that you just don't lose. But okay. So, this is such a great story. You should do a, you should do a, a, a movie about you. And uh, it'd be weird. I think it'd be a great story. The young they did it with Howard Stern. Well, you know, I could just imagine right now. So it opens up with some dead guy on the fucking <laughs> picket fence, and everybody's around there. And your mom's like, "I can't believe you're not even affected by this." I'm like, "Well, I, I we're not related to him, mom. I, why should I feel so? <laughs> because he's a dead person, mom. We're gonna go out and go. I can't believe it. We're moving from here." And I could see the story. Let me write it. I'm going to write the Batista story. It's a story about your life. Yeah. It's a great story. I, I was actually just, uh, I did a book years ago. and uh, You're saying, like a John, he's like, hey, man, that's a pretty good opening. I was thinking about <laughs> yeah. doing like a, a follow-up to that book just because it's, yeah, I did it in around around 2006. Uh, and it was really yeah. about growing up in my wrestling. But, I've, you know, I've done a lot since then, good, good and bad. I mean, had good times, bad times. So I was thinking about um, doing a follow-up book. Yeah book i'm talking movie baby yeah i don't, I don't know I, I don't know we should talk about it yeah. people are gonna be talking about it now on this after this podcast yeah. 
So Guardians of the Galaxy, how do you get the balls to go in and audition for this? Because when I watch <laughs> these movies, the, 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 by the way, that laugh is so – that laugh to me made Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I called James Gunn, the director, our uh. friend, and said, Batista – steals the fucking movie <laughs> period they're all great batista steals i know isn't he great no he's like i when you laugh it's i'm telling you i just i just started you just make me laugh hard you're so funny and i'm like this is a guy who never wanted to act who hid behind sunglasses <laughs> and a hat on stage who didn't want to talk who didn't want who doesn't love publicity who just wants to be himself monotone Opposite of me, and yet, how is he? I I don't know anybody who could play that part. Yeah, you know. I how just, did you audition for that? Well, <laughs> it's a little bit of a story, but anyway, I, I I had gotten an agent like a week or two before the audition, and uh, this is a guy. Um, his name's Brett Nordsberg, but he actually turned me down three times <laughs> before. But anyway, we kept running into him. We ran into him like everywhere. We had, had he had so many conversations with Jonathan and myself. He said, "You know, I really like Dave. I really like to help him." So a couple of weeks after that, he um, found out about this audition for Drax, and this is how he built up my hopes. Drax the Destroyer. He goes, "Now I don't want you to get your hopes up. This, you know, because it's a real long shot. A lot, there's a lot of names auditioning it's for this. It's a major motion picture, Dave. You're not going to get this." <laughs> yeah. He said, "But I had to fight really hard to get you this audition." Uh, so anyway, so he built me up for that, and I went in and met with Sarah Finn, and she was amazing, man. She was just, because I was so nervous. You met with Sarah before you saw James? Yes, I was, and I flew out to L.A. for this audition, and I was absolutely terrified, and Sarah was like, take your time. So just relax, you know, just take your time. We're going to do it a few times, and so we do it however you want. And She was made me feel so comfortable that anyway, I just I banged out this audition. How many lines did you have in the audition? Um, it was a couple scenes. Yeah, it was a couple scenes. Do you remember the scene? It was one where I was um, um, talking about my um, my wife and daughter being killed. It was an emotional uh, beat. And there was another one where I didn't get... Uh, I'm getting... Originally, the orb wasn't the orb. It was something else that they were... I think the because the sides, you know, they're not the real right, sides. Right, right, right. So they described it as something else. Um, but it was like I didn't really get what it was. I was taking it literally and... And she asked me what it was, and I kind of explained to her back in a very bad way what something was. I was just one of those, you know, where Drax thinks that it takes everything literally, those, those type, that type of scene. And how did James react when you went in the room? So she calls me later after the audition, and she says, would you mind staying in town to come back to read for the director? And I was like, no, of course I'll, I'll stay. And that's when it was like, that's when it became real. <laughs> and so you went yeah. in there. And I didn't sleep that night before. No. I was terrified. Like, Did you, my... Were you still on book? Did you still read this? No, I, I had it. You had it memorized. Yeah, I had it. Did you um, go over it a million times? I did, and it's because my acting coach came with me and and really kind of coached me through it and encouraged me through it, and we we worked really hard, so he would make sure that I actually went in uh, for even the first uh, audition completely off book, just prepared. So he stayed with me. He babysat me through the whole process. Yeah, but he wasn't in the room with James. No, he wasn't. He let you go. Yeah, he let me go and went in. And James, you know James, dude. Oh, He's yeah. just so right, right, right out off the bat. I just clicked with him, and he just made me feel super comfortable. And how many times did you do it? Uh, we did it a few times, and then we auditioned there a few times, and then I actually came back a few times after that too. So you came in a couple of times to to get. I this. think like four times. 
Yeah, through chemistry tests and auditions. Yeah. And did you know you got it on the last time when you walked out? No, we thought we just to the last minute because they wouldn't exclude. Like it took three months. This was three months of waiting because they wouldn't exclude me from the part, but they wouldn't give me the part. And I'll tell you what they were thinking. They were thinking, you know, he's he's the part. He's he's good. I mean, he gave a great read. He's this, you know, but he, he's a wrestler. And I don't know. Are we gonna have? There's so many things. I'm sure that they're. Is he to this? We need a bigger star. We need this. We want an actor. He's gonna hold us up on set. Yeah. All these things that they're fucking talking about. And James obviously is going. No, this is the fucking guy. Yeah, James was. Uh, he was very supportive of me, and I think he was vocal about it. But I think. Originally, they were really against having a pro wrestler play this part. And I know that is for a fact because um, one of the producers actually talked to me about it. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you quit pro wrestling at the time. Yeah, and he just said, you know, they and he actually apologized. He said, you know, I just, you, you were the right guy. We just, we had, you know, certain, I guess, certain stereotype in our head, you know, at first. And and uh, and he just so he apologized. I'm sorry we ever, you know, made that even an issue. Remember the time you got it? Do you remember the call? Who called you? Yeah, I called, uh, well, um, my agent and Jonathan called me, and I was driving down the street. I was on my way to the gym, surprise, surprise. <laughs> and I broke down, man. I, I broke down, drove home, and uh, was just in tears, walked in the door in tears. and Tears? Hysterical? On, in tears. And then uh, to my wife and said, I, I got the part. Yeah. And then you both cried. Both cried. <laughs> I'm about to cry the right dog's now. The dog's crying? Are you? <laughs> it changed your life. See now you're gonna get me upset. You fuck. <laughs> it literally when I when I tell people that it's uh it's really hard for them to grasp, but it didn't it didn't change my career, it changed the trajectory of my life. That's amazing. And I I love hearing and it couldn't happen to a better guy. I mean you're really some guy who has evolved but always kept uh who you are. That's never gone away. No, it don't ever go away. I, I think uh I was just you know, I had developed uh you know, my character well before I got in this business. Or entertainment, period. So I just, uh, I was developed as a as a person, yeah. And now you got all these movies. You're offered movies all the time. You've been done a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? You know what it is, and I'm I'm still, uh, yeah. And I I use this term a lot. I, I say I'm not really, I don't I, I care less about being a movie star. I just want to be a good actor. Like I really want to be a good actor. Do you take classes still? No, I've, you know, it's weird. I, I, I talk to my coach a lot. We stay in touch. His name is Joe Ackman, and he's a, he's a very close friend. I love him to death. I think I need to call him. Jumpstart <laughs> my career here, Rob. But we we have discussions. I don't I don't really go and work with him anymore, only because I, I'm working so much. So I feel like uh, I'm, I'm, I always say that I'm an on-the-job learning actor, and I feel like I come off every project a stronger actor, and I, I take away something from every director and every actor that i work with you get nervous terrified yeah. still still do you get still get nervous every day I'm, you're filming i'm gonna take 10 guy i'm <laughs> really that's when i get i i can you zone the in jitters. you let it go yeah yeah you don't sleep before you shoot you get nervous you're thinking about um, stuff so it, it depends sometimes i get worked up about certain things like what like i gotta be good i gotta you still feel like you have to prove yourself sometimes i i you know i when i know and i put a lot of stock into certain scenes and uh, I just want them to, I think it's just a pressure that I just want them to be as good as they c can be. And you know how sometimes, you know, you're just, I, I did this uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I had this really, really emotional scene, but I was in such a great mood. <laughs> I was like having such a good day. I was like, I didn't know if I could, I could get there, you know? Yeah. 
And uh, and it just you know. You should have had that guy come up with the wet sign, and smack you in the fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> that would have done it, right? That's right. Sometimes you just need a smack, you yeah, know, Jonathan yeah, with yeah, the sign. Yeah. Remember this fucker. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, just you know, things like that, man. So I get you know worked up. And you know, working on a movie, it's like, and I know James, he likes to do a lot of takes. Yeah. So when you're first working with him, you're like, am I not getting this right? Am I not doing this right? Why does he keep doing this? Are they going to fire me? I Did you ever think stuff like that? Not, not with James, because he's very. I mean, he's he's very communicative. He very. really talks to you, and he's. I mean, it's not it's not a rare thing for him to come out and say, "You're killing this. You're killing." You know how he gets all worked yeah. up and he comes out and he's all yes, excited. Yes, that's it. Yes. He just gets really excited. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I I know where I'm at with him. I know where I stand, and I love that about him because even when stuff's funny, because you can hear him laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he loves to laugh. He has the at his, his own right? jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's also yeah. You know how yeah. I love the way he just spits out. You know, all he just starts spitting them out, and you just keep keep it rolling. Say yeah. this. Yeah, Say yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. So I always get immediate feedback from James, which helps me a lot. Yeah. Uh, who is your favorite tour? I mean, it's hard to answer that because you work with all these guys. Right. But who is your like? Who are your close closest to? Um, actors. Yeah. Um, well, I think Guardians for sure. I think I've. Not... I mean, out of the who, who out of the cast? I didn't say. Oh, that. out of the cast. Um, well, I guess. I, mean, I guess when I'm on set, I would say Pratt, but I don't. I mean, we don't. It's weird because we don't really like uh, talk to each other a lot when we're not we're not filming. Right. Um, we don't. We you know, we text each other every once in a while, but uh, I think I, I bonded with him somewhat. You know, it's a weird thing because when we first got to London to film the first Guardians, and he was he was a he was a big star at, at that point. But not like he is now. Right. Now he's just gigantic. <laughs> now he's like one of the biggest stars in, in yeah. the world. And um, the nicest guy. Sweetest guy. I see him at the counter all sweetest the time. Guy. Like, hey, dude, what's up? I'm yeah. like, no, no, you're sweetest a huge movie guy. star and you're really cool. That's cool. Right. But at that point, he didn't, you know, he had gone to London. He was by himself and I was by myself. So I think we bonded a little bit. Uh, but also, uh, I think uh, I, I interact with, with Palm really well. You know, yeah, and Karen, those scenes with her and just, Karen, uh, Karen Gill, who I just Karen's had my, on, my buddy. I just love she her. loves you. I love her. Man. How long were you in? I mean, you answered this. This is a question. Jonathan's like, oh, here comes the question. How long have you been? How long are you in makeup during the show? First movie, you were in a lot longer. They made it longer, better, right? Yeah, I was like forty six hours on the first film. I mean, how do you do that? Were you going crazy? So, yeah, no, not at all. I, you know, it's weird. I, I because on this, by the time we did the second film, I think I would have gone crazy. I don't think I could have done it again. Um, what did they get it down to? To an hour and a half. You went from six hours to an hour and a half? <laughs> it's, and it's a completely different process. And the reason is they knew how to do this process, process on the first film, but they couldn't figure out how to get it off because they would have to take it on and off every day and it would just eat away at my skin. Wouldn't people have to go? I heard that they'd go in a sauna with you at night. I do. That's how they figured out that they could. That's the way they figured out to take it off. I go in a sauna and they start to melt it off before they actually start applying the chemicals. So how many men... Is it men? <laughs> yeah. So it's how many men go into a sauna with you at night? Three. <laughs> Three men. Are they in? Are they yeah. close to nude? Uh, yeah, way more nude than I, I care for them to be. Yeah. Right. And they're in there. And what do you talk about for an hour where they take your uh, suit off? And are you naked under there except for underwear? Right. Yeah, I wear swimming trunks in. Yeah. You have swimming yeah. trunks. Yeah. And they peel you off, and you're like, "Hey, yeah, so yeah. how was your guy's day?" Yeah, this I, is it, great. That's the thing. We're so bonded at this point. You it's, just love each other. You don't care. There's nothing we could couldn't talk about. There's that. one. I bet there's some rules though. You can't fart. None of these guys can fart in a sauna. That's disrespectful. I think you know it's weird. It's a. I guess it's an unsaid rule because we all just have a lot of respect for each other. But I'm sure yeah. there's farts that were saved in that suit that are trapped in there. 
there's that well, one there's you, always, when you rip it off. It's always. like, oh, what was that? Oh, that was from six hours ago. Yeah, I just I had a scene that day. <laughs> Sure, I'm sure you know it's one of those things even if if one of those guys had ripped one I mean I don't I wouldn't give them hell about it you know it's just it, it, we're so bonded man it doesn't matter oh man this is this yeah. is fun yeah. I've had a blast today you know yeah. uh how long is Karen in the uh, in the trailer for uh, um Gillen, Gillen who plays Nebula she is in for much longer than I am and she is had like on the last couple of Avengers and Guardians 2 has had it the worst I have I have sport. so much respect for her because as no matter, you know, how much sleep she gets, no matter, you know, how hard it is, she's always the same person. She's super bubbly. She's nice to everyone. She I've is. never, ever once seen her in a bad mood. Have you seen people lose their shit on set? Oh, yeah. You yeah. won't say who? You know, I, I won't say who because just because I don't even care enough about them to put their name out there. Right. Um but I've even had a couple outbursts. <laughs> right. You know, there's been a couple times where I've what just... What bothers been, you on set? When I get hungry. I don't like being hungry. I don't either. I make it very known that that's... I don't require much, but just keep me fed. What happens if you say, I'm hungry, and an hour goes by? Um, yeah, no, I won't, I won't let that happen. And, it, and there was a point in my career where I would have let it happen, but now I, I won't let it happen because it gets to the point where I go and I, I wait. And if you don't say anything, you know, if you don't say anything, and somebody, I don't want to say anything. I don't yeah. Pass. Now you're like, I have to because this is changing. Now I'm just am. getting. Now I'm just. Now yeah. I'm in a bad mood. Nicholson, it's, it's day eighteen of The Shining. I'm about to fucking knock through the door with the axe. Get me a fucking sandwich, <laughs> right, Dave, yeah. darling. If yeah. you don't get me yeah. a goddamn yeah. sandwich, right? You're really good at this, man. I know. I'm hell? like a Buddy Hackett. It's yeah. <laughs> like a regular Buddy Hackett. Yeah, I was a loser in high school. I used oh. to sit up on the weekends and memorize people's voices and do I don't, impressions. I don't have any of those talents. You don't have one impression. You don't know one impression you I don't, can sort of do. I don't do. I can't do impressions. I, I can't, I'm not musical. I can't sing. Everybody could do a walk. But I want to do all those do a things. Christopher Walken. Here, try this. Your. Your. Your son. Your son. That You're already almost <laughs> better than all the other walkers. Your son. <laughs> your, I know the scene. Your I love to remember. Your son, fuckhead that he is. Right. And that bitch or girlfriend, they took my narcotics. <laughs> now I know you know where they are, so tell me. <laughs> I, I would sit in my room for hours, really but you great. could do it. If you listen, if you were a loser That's one of like my favorite me. movies, by the way. Yeah. Isn't that the it. best? I love Tony Scott films, yeah. The best. Tony's the best, yeah. Was the best. I, I, well, oh, yeah. I'm so heartbroken that I never got a chance to work with that guy. Yeah, brilliant. But you're going to work with a lot of great directors. Yeah, you already have, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We got some questions here. Yeah. Last questions here. Sean Ward, you should ask him if he's made any headway on trying to get the Gears of War movie made with Marcus Phoenix. Yeah. No. <laughs> Do you want that's to? Your, Clunk Universal's 73. Fault. That's Universal's fault. We've been knocking on their door for years about this project, and it just has gone nowhere. Our last conversation with uh, was with a producer named uh, Dylan Clark. Um, you know, I think who I think has still got uh, gears, and and we still regular calls and see where it's at, where the script is. But it's just, I think there's just they've had issues with you know getting the script, which is you know, you know maybe a good thing because they want it to be right. They're putting some stock into it, and if it's just not right, they're just you know. So it could happen. It could happen. I think it will happen. I don't know if I'll ever be a part of it, but I will beg and plead and scratch and claw and try to make my way. Carol Meza, Carolim S underscore S. If you weren't an actor, what would you be up to right now? Ooh, that's a tough one after um, hearing this. I mean, if I wasn't, I'd probably still be wrestling. Yeah. If you didn't have any desire to act, you'd wrestle. 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved professional wrestling. I, I miss it all the time. Uh, Ian, geek for hire, uh, at Mayclum72, what role for movies you enjoyed in your youth would you love to have played? Um, God, in my youth. It's got to be a Star Wars role for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, if it was I mean, Star Wars. Yeah, I, I was thinking like uh, in the 80s, like that time during my youth. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, God, Star Wars still, I mean... Another series of films that I have begged and pleaded to be a part of. You just, yeah, me too. I said I'd be a fucking extra. I'll be a stormtrooper that no one sees. Like, <laughs> uh, just let me do anything. Yeah. It's like, well, anything. Yeah, no, no, no luck. I think that's pretty much it. Let's see. <laughs> Will we get a Rock and Dave Bautista movie, Gandhi Boy 8? And do you want to win an Oscar someday or be nominated? Would you like to do something serious like that? You know, it's weird. I don't really put too much stock into awards because I don't need accolades, but... What I want is that Academy uh, Award-worthy role, which is not easy for me to get because I look like a gorilla. <laughs> Those roles just aren't there for me, and uh, I would like that role. I want to, you know, I want to test myself. Would you do a TV show? Yeah, I've been trying to get on TV for years. If I brought you something, I'm just saying hypothetically. Yeah, it was like a drama. No, I've been pursuing TV for years, and you love to do something like that. Yeah. Something cool, Netflix, HBO, something, whatever, right? Yeah, you seem pretty open to that. We've, hung, we've gone, had all those meetings. We've been per, in pursuit. It's You'd just, be you know, great. I, I and I love the idea. I because I, I like working. I like working. I like. Uh, so we, I'm and I miss TV. To be honest with You'd you, you'd be a TV star instantly, don't you think, Rob? Instantly, Jonathan, you get a TV show. That's it. You're you're gonna be. I mean, I just could see that easily. They just have to find the right thing. We've for you. been in pursuit, and we've had some good talks with Netflix, but it's just. Uh, you know, we actually had this project that we brought to them. We thought they might love, but they weren't crazy about it as a series. So we've uh, we've gone more to, more towards a feature with it, and we'll, we'll probably get it made. I think within the next couple of years. It's called it was originally called Body Bags. Now it's called Dogtown. Nice. Um, but I think we'll get it made. It's a really it's a great story. It's a fun story. Dark comedic drama and action. What's right next? There. So after I finish uh, the film I'm on now, which is Stuber, who's in that? Me and Camille and Johnny. And there's a, there's a lot of great, you know, Betty Gilpin's in it and Mira Sorvino's in it. And this has been awesome, man. Thanks, man. This has been, I mean, yeah. look, to me, this is one of my favorites. You know, I've always loved you. You're, you're a good guy. Oh, thanks, I, I, thanks for opening up. Thanks for allowing me to be inside of you, Dave. <laughs> thanks for being inside of me. And when you become a big, you're already a movie star, but when you become a big TV star, will you come back? You gotta come I'll back and chat back. with me. I want to move in. I want my own room here. You like this house? I love this house, dude. You, you can stay here I, anyone. You don't know. You, you have to see my house and see how much I'm actually into this. Like this is what, in Tampa. Yeah, in my house. Like you have my dream house. There's two houses. Well, buy it. Buy my house. Dude, don't ever sell this place. But there's two houses I've ever been into that I was just in utter awe of, and one is yours, and the other one is a buddy of mine named CM Punk. Um, in his house, he's got this building in chicago that he bought it's just yeah i don't have a building i'm not that rich and he's got all this stuff too he's got like wrestling memorabilia and superhero memorabilia he actually wrote a marvel comic uh for a while he did he did the drex oh really and he's uh but he's a buddy of mine from wrestling just by coincidence he ended up getting this yeah so he wrote tracks. But That's amazing. Well, hey, I'm I'm not even kidding. I'm not here a lot, but I have guest rooms. If you ever yeah. want to crash here and not yeah. spend money in a hotel, <laughs> you just crash here. I'll give you a key. I Why wouldn't it, you? You I, like your privacy, yeah. don't you? No, I, I I don't feel like I wouldn't have my privacy here. You would. You'd have your whole floor. Jonathan, you got your own bedroom. Yeah. Would you ever go back to wrestling? Yeah, I tried to go back last year, and it's just because... Uh, 
well, well the last I, I never felt like I wrapped up my career and the last run I had was really just bad I butted heads with the company a lot uh, cr over creative issues and it was just not good and I had to leave right when I finally started to hit my stride I had to leave to go promote uh, Guardians and I just felt like I never really so wrapped up my career like I go. like to leave the right way I just feel there you know there's an uneasiness about the way I left and I just I, I hate end of my career because I had a great career yeah, yeah I had a oh, really yeah. great career and the WWE was uh you know, it changed my life, man. Uh, and and they, they took me around the world and just opened all kinds of doors for me. And, uh, and I just really like to wrap up things the right way there. Well, you know, sometimes on this, this always becomes therapy. Mm -hmm. And I always imagine, like, if I was your therapist for this last hour, mm -hmm. what, I, what I have gathered from the, what, you know, and what you have gathered from me, if you were my therapist, what would you say? So I'm thinking, I look at you and I'm like, this guy has been through it all. Right. You were poverty stricken as a kid. You, your parents got divorced, you were on the streets, you were fighting, you were bouncing, you found wrestling, then you found out, you just kept pushing yourself and kept moving, even though you faced a lot of adversity, but it's like you, you seem to just have your shit together. Like, you know what you want, you know what you want to do, and you know who you are, most importantly. So if I was your therapist, I'd say, really, fuck, don't do anything, you shouldn't be in this therapy session. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm saying. I think I think that's it. I, you know, I think uh, somewhere later in my life, I, I, I'm still learning things about myself, but I think somewhere later in my life, I became comfortable with myself. You know, I, I accept my awkwardness. How? how what, 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 year, what year was that? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I don't know. I, my, how old are you? You know, it wasn't. I, it wasn't that long ago. I'm, I'm 49. You're yeah. 49? Yeah. Okay, I, so I'm 46. So I'm hoping I start <laughs> to figure this shit out. This is, yeah. you're my therapist now. Talk to me about that. No, and I think it's... Uh, I think it might have been within the last four or five years where I just became, you know, okay with being kind of weird, you know, awkward. Weird's okay. Different, yeah, different and, and not trying to be somebody I'm not. You Do know? you think you stress less now? You just kind of go with the flow? I don't know if I stress less. You know, I, I think I, I thrive off my stress. My stress is, is a good thing. You know, it's not a bad thing. I don't, I don't look at it as a negative thing. I think it's... It's me wanting to achieve more, to be more, to you know, do more, make something out of my life, make it mean something, you know. Purpose. It's, yeah, I want to have a purpose. I can't. I, well, Jonathan and I were just having this conversation. I just, I don't understand who people who, who can wake up and just float through the day without a purpose, without wanting to contribute something to life. You know, I just, I, that's that's it. I just, I want my life to have meant something. That was as about as profound as you can get. That's. We're going to end there. Thanks, man. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Thanks. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you, man. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.